Thank you for joining us on this episode of Eminent Teachnology with Dr. Rochelle Newton and Drew Stennett, where we examine current and emerging technologies through the lens of diversity and equality. All right. So hello, everybody. Uh, thank you for joining us for a new episode of Eminent Teachnology with Dr. Rochelle Newton and Drew Stennett. Uh, today's going to be the two of us. We're going to be talking about smart cities, which is uh, we've been on here chatting about uh pillows and movies for a little while. So this is going to be an interesting <laughs> transition. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, smart cities. Uh, personally, I'm a huge fan of this. This sounds amazing. Uh, more, I would rather have a, I think overall, what I really want is to not have to drive anymore and just get in the car and have the car take me somewhere because I do not like, uh, I do not like driving. <laughs> but Rochelle, like what, what do you think of when you think about smart cities? like the idea of of, of, of self-driving cars but did you see the tesla news where the people were sitting in the back car and the car ran into a tree oh that's yeah. always been my nightmare right yeah. yeah yeah and that's sort of that that's sort of the i think we're in the scary part of self-driving cars right now where like it's not they aren't safe enough to totally trust but it like they feel like you can trust them like these dudes can sit in the back of their car and just have it like drive them around town and well in this case, they happened to like both burn to death, which is awful. Like awful. I think they died, didn't they? Were they trapped in there when it? Yeah, they died. So it's in that weird stage where it's like it feels like it they're fully self driving, but they aren't quite yet, and it's that feels like a super dangerous stage. Absolutely. So, so when when I think about smart cities, I, I, there are three pieces of it that come to mind. First, mm -hmm. I think it's a use of technology that's long overdue, right? Yeah. So. We brought technology to almost everything. So, you know, we don't need a map anymore because you have directions on your phone. Yeah. You do not need, um, uh, you know, all of these resources to navigate living, right? Because technology has come into our lives and made it simple. You know, you can have your refrigerator order you some bread or eggs or something. You yeah. can um, tell your alarm system to come on or go off. You can see who's wandering around your neighborhood. So you've got all this wonderful technology that's out there. And then you think a little bit about the history of municipalities, right? So they are local governments in place to provide resources to its citizens and keep the city functioning correctly. So you have trash, water, um, whatever the city provides, whatever resources the city provides, you have all of those kinds of things. And so right now, you know, there's a lot of talks over the solar wind breach. There was a lot of talk about the infrastructure in in countries and how to make it more secure so people are not vulnerable to losing their information. So your, your city or town or whatever you want to call it has as much of your information as does the IRS, right? Yeah. So they have your name, your address, your social security number, you know, they have a whole bunch of information about you. They have yeah. probably access to your bank account so you don't have to go there and pay them and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. But making those things secure is where the rubber meets the road. And specifically for Black and Brown communities. So this is my second part. So technology, marginalized communities, and then the, the planet. So mm -hmm. the third thing is the planet. So I'm talking about just marginalized communities for a minute. So many Black and Brown families, and this may be true of some white families as well and other, other ethnicities, do not use banks the way we with the way they have evolved to be, right? So, you know, most people have all of them, their check is deposited in their bank. They pay their bills through their banks. They do all of these things digitally. Yep. For people that are underbanked, 
One, it's not clear how this process works. Two, it's not always information that they have the technology support, i.e. you need a secure internet transaction, uh, a, internet, a secure internet to have uh, transactions to do transactions, right? So if you are not a technology person or you don't have a lot of technology, so I send out an email to my family once a month about security in technology, right? So one of the things I said, so, you know, if you are going to do any kind of banking or online transactions where your personal information is in jeopardy, you never put that on Wi-Fi. Yeah. Unless in your Wi-Fi in your home, you know more about it. So you might have things to secure the Wi-Fi in your house. So we, you, and I'm sure you will, you can tell them all about WPA and all these different security things that are included in your Wi-Fi. But when yeah. you're in a public space, like, so if you go to Starbucks and you happen to uh, check your balance to see if you can order Starbucks for everybody in the coffee shop, yeah. you just put all your information in a public space that only God knows who may see it and who may get it. Well, mm -hmm. for these communities who are not well-versed in how this works, how to be safe, how to make sure that your information is safe when you're out and about. So now you've got this city where they, you know, and, and I don't know if this is true for you, but, you know, they used to come to your house and read the meter to see yeah. how much electricity or how much of something, they don't need to do that anymore. You know, they, they've created a grid that kind of gives them all that information. So every house I get from Duke Power uh, once a month, an e a letter, a physical letter that says your house uses more power than three houses on your same street. Well, thank you for sharing that. I don't know what that means, but thank you. I appreciate you letting me know. So, yeah. so there's that. So what do and, and I just said, you know, you heard me just say, I don't know what that means when they tell me I'm using three times more power than the people next door to me. So mentally and logically, that makes sense to me. But what do they have in their houses that may be different from mine? Is our houses the same square feet? You know, so yeah. the, the fact that they made this statement may or may not be true. And I don't know how to parse it out to determine if it's true. So there's that part. And then the last part with these smart cities and the way they're going is like we see every day. So right now we are in North Carolina. We're in the central part of North Carolina. And for the last week, we have been hovering near freezing almost every night. Yeah. Is that climate? Why is that? You know, so before we got into this, this cold temperature, I think for the entire month, month of March or a good portion, it rained every day. Yeah. Is that, I thought April was the showers month. So, you know, like there was that, you know, so you have all of these anomalies that are happening in the weather. And I don't know if you watch the weather channel, but they have two programs that are really, really, um, really interesting. The strangest weather, on earth and then secrets of the earth. And if you ever watch them, they're very profound shows to watch. So they talk about how you, how the weather and, and really man has no control over the weather, right? So last night the show was about cloud formation, right? So how does, you know, so people claim they see faces in the cloud, they see horses, they see all kinds of things. There's one called the running man that's in the clouds. So they see all these things. How does these things happen? So what's happening in the environment? And then there is the phenomenal of, you know, the what's around us, you know, so what's happening around us. So we drive cars um, and, and, and until recently, there's been a, not a lot of people interested in converting from gasoline to electric, but gasoline contributes carbon to the ozone. And, you know, remember a few years ago, we had a hole in our ozone. Oh, yeah. So smart cities are very important for our future. The problem just is how do you address the technology and make it secure 
communities that are not necessarily prepared for it, and then the climate. So how do you get all three of those things in sync so that it is useful for everyone, not just for the elite or those that are financially affluent? You know, so, so how do you get there? And, 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 and I think it is worth defining what smart cities are just a little bit. So smart cities are communities where technology is the leading driver of how those cities work, right? So in other words, you if you live on a street that have streetlights and that streetlight comes on at a certain time and go off at a certain time, that's a smart, that's part of a smart city. So that's conserving energy, making sure the lights are on, making sure people are, are safe. There is surveillance. So another one of those things. So if you go into a public school system, and I don't know if this is true in private schools, I'm talking about elementary education right now, or you interact with them, they will tell you something about taking pictures of their child of, of the children in the school. You cannot take a picture of a child in the school without permission of that child, child's parent, the school system, somebody. So, but now we live in a society where we are highly surveilled. We are watched almost every single day. You're watched by your own house. Like when I go mm-hmm. outside to get the mail, my damn law, my ring says, uh, there's some traffic in your neighborhood. Yeah. It's just me walking to the mailbox. Or when yes. I go out the back, when I go out the back door to see uh my talk to my hostas, my thing says, my ring says, there's movement in your yard. Yes, it's me. <laughs> but but yes. but all of these things are upon us, right? So, and you have not signed. So when you come to my house, you did not sign a waiver that says I could take a picture of you. But yeah. apparently I have the right to video you if you come to my house. Yeah. Interesting thing. When you go to Target, Target is watching you the entire time. Walmart is the Fort Knox of security. So you can't go to Walmart. There are 8,000 cameras on every single building they have. You know, so... There's that part of it. So there's surveillance. So how they monitor traffic. And a part of this is to keep the city safe, to watch for nefarious things happening, to make sure that the 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 grids and all the systems that they have in place are working. So, you know, yeah. they need to know, you know, and then if you commit a crime, they got you on tape. So there's that part, right? So the surveillance. And then there's a piece about what that means. So, you know, when you use the city's water, and I don't think this is true for sewer, but if you use the city's water, you are then taking a resource that they are monitoring. So if you use, I don't know what what the right formula is, but let's just say if you use 100 gallons of water a month, which Mm -hmm. is very, very small, almost none. But if you use 100 gallons a month for, say, March and April, you use 1,000 gallons a month. And if your average is 100 gallons, then the, the town or the people who run the water system can say, you either have a leak or something is going on. If the thousand gallons per month continues, they, they may reach out to you. They may try to find out whether they have a leak on the property. So you got all these things that yeah. kind of monitor how a city works to make it more functional and make it better for everyone. You know, you talked about self-driving cars. So I remember the first time I heard this, and I think I may have heard this maybe 15 years ago. And I thought what that meant was, is that you know, when you drive down the road, the little white reflector that's in the street and all that stuff, I thought that they were going to put technology in those reflectors yeah. that would keep you in your lane. Same, that that's same here. Going straight, you know, what happens when you get to a curve, that all mm-hmm. of that. So as I've learned over time, that's not necessarily the way they do self-driving cars. So the car itself is a smart thing. So it knows where the curve is. So somehow or another, algorithms or machine learning is capturing the, the road and the traffic. So I don't have a, 
I have a navigation system in my car. I don't have a, a, a you know, the thing that, you know, where you, you have to ask where you're going, but I can mm-hmm. tell my car, I want to go to the farmer's market in Raleigh. Mm-hmm. And within seconds, it's got the address. It asked me to confirm and off it goes, you are going to go to this next corner, turn right, drive, you know, so you've got all of those pieces where technology is leading how you respond and live in a city. And it also is helping the city economically, right? So when you're expending that thousand gallons of water every month, the city is always looking for ways to make make use of the resources they have. And water, like most things, is 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 vulnerable. You know, Mm -hmm. you know, people that use too much, you know, we may be creating an environment where our young people may not have enough resources when they grow up to to use it, right? So, and then there is trash. You know, recycling, you know, keeping the city clean, there's curb and stuff. So people are always looking for technology to find ways to improve their cities. So in in the roughest snapshot I could give, that's a smart city. It's a city that uses technology to make itself better. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's that's an amazing description. One thing I always think about when, uh, as we're talking about these like self-driving cars, I also thought like the original self-driving car thing was going to be, oh, there's going to be some sensors out in the road and it's just going to like sort of like wirelessly guide your car. Yeah. And I thought it was really cool that they sort of switched that and said, well, actually, we can just build that all into the car and then you don't need all that infrastructure. And I think that's great. Uh, I was listening to probably some podcast uh, like usual where uh, they were talking about sort of the ethics of people building self-driving cars where if the car has to make a decision on whether to kill like the driver or run over someone outside the car, like how do you make those sorts of decisions as well? Like if you're in a self-driving car, uh, and the car has to make a choice, like, what should the car do? The car can either, like, drive the, you know, drive the drive itself off a cliff or uh, run over, a, a, you know, a stroller that has a baby in it. Like, what, what should it do? And, like, are you buying a car that's possibly going to, I don't know, what, <laughs> if you're, if you're programming a car and need to think about decisions like that, which way do you lean on that? Do you always... I don't even know that there's a real answer to it, but I think it's and, and I think that's a very interesting thing to think about, but that's the way every technology is. So, yeah. you know, again, going back to the solar winds breach, um, there was a expert, I think the Washington Post or the New York Times, I don't remember which one of them did about the vulnerability of smart cities, mm-hmm. right? So, you know, someone could hack into this grid or the system that's in place and shut down the whole system, yeah. you know, shut it down. And so people don't have water or whatever it is. So, so there's a vulnerability. So I think that the way we build technology, and this is one of the things that always is near and dear to my heart, is to build in enough security and to eliminate as much bias as you can, Yes. right? So, so someone that would hack a grid would not probably hack a grid in the poorest part of a town, right? So there's that part where that time you, you build in some bias that you don't care about that part of town so much. With yes. those self-driving cars, you know, with machine learning in the car, constantly learning and growing and all that stuff. You know, the car has to make a lot of decisions, like deploying the airbag. Suppose you just barely tapped a bumper and it deployed the airbags. Or suppose the car is driving in the scenario that you just said, where there's a hazard for someone on the road and the person in the car. So I would think it would err on the side of the person in the car, because if the person in the road is just one person, it might say, well, you know, six or this car, this person will buy another car. That person might not ever buy my car. So it's kind of that kind of thing, but I don't know yeah. that to be a fact either. But then to further that a little bit is to think, you know, more about how 
how do we make sure that machine learning, wherever it is, is always thinking about us in a way that keeps us safe, right? So when someone hacks into the grid, that the machine learning says, hey, I've gotten a command from a person that I don't know or or IP address I don't recognize. Mm -hmm. I also have the risk of millions versus the risk of one. So do I implode on myself? In other words, the system locks itself down. So even you, the person who created that system may not be able to get in because the system is trying to protect yourself from this, this, this possible breach that's coming toward it or possible hack that's coming toward it to make sure it protects itself. I think the interesting piece with self-driving cars and all of these new technologies is how much human control do we maintain? And I'll say one more thing. So all of us may have remembered uh, some of these early books about machine learning and artificial intelligence. And I mean, there were a lot of good movies about this. I know you've seen them all. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) But but there was a lot about this a long time ago. I, um, I think that we have to still keep that in mind you still have to factor that into some part, you know? So I was telling my husband the other day about COVID and the economy, right? So if you imagine that every restaurant and grocery store had a robot instead of a person, so they may have had a person that comes in and turn, opens the door, you know, sets mm-hmm. the systems in motion, but only robots. So nothing that could get Corona, nothing that could be called out sick, none of those things. And that's, the economy would not have crashed in the way that it did. It would have crashed on the other side of that. So the people who were not able to get jobs would be vulnerable to that. So when you think about all of these technologies and what they mean, we must find some way to factor the human piece of that that keeps our economy going, but yet still does not destroy man. And that's always a question of if I'm smart enough. So let's just say you are a robot, Drew, and you Mm -hmm. have mastered everything there is to know about humanity. So, you know, all the weaknesses, you know, the impulses, the things that drive us into what it is. And you find a human that is what we call evil or a monster. Yeah. You kill that person or do you let that person continue to thrive knowing that, that person may hurt another person? And that's the same thing with technologies, right? So mm-hmm. it's going about the process of trying to think about how do we become better? But what does better mean and at whose expense is better? Yeah. Yeah, ab- absolutely. I, and I think a lot of that really comes back to like just humanity. Like, and I think humanity in general is good. Like thinking about, well, obviously, obvious statement of the year, humans are good. But uh, thinking about like the restaurants, like we love to go out to eat. Like that's one of our like family things. And I think one of the reasons we really like going out to eat is just going and like talking to the waiters and waitresses. Like uh, that's sort of part of the experience. And really over like COVID, like, uh, while I won't say like we're close friends with waiters and waitresses of the restaurants we go to a lot, like I've, I've missed them a bunch over this like past year because we just don't really see them anymore. And uh, I think if like, I don't know that we would go to a restaurant that was, uh, you know, staffed by robots. Like that doesn't sound as fun to me. Like something like that, I would say like, let's just get the food to go. Like we don't need to sit there if we're just going to like, <laughs> you know, have our food prepared and served to us by non-humans. Uh, I think part of the attraction, at least for us, is to go out and actually interact with people and be like, oh, hey, you know, how have you been doing? It's good to see this person again. And I don't know, that's, I think human interactions are always going to be pretty good. And it's it's going to be really hard to replace those with with robots. Not that it can't happen one day, because like you talk about, the machine learning is always advancing more and more and more. It's never going to get 
worse than it is right now, which is sort of a scary thought. Absolutely. And, and I think that, you know, I, I would say my counter to your argument about not, you know, wanting to have you, you if someone would have told you on December 31st, 2019, that you will be wearing a mask every time you went outside, you would have probably said, no, I would not like to have that. After. That would just be absolutely terrible that I would have to wear a mask. Oh, yeah. But somehow now we have adjusted. We wear a mask now. Most of us do. We wear it properly. Some people wear it up under their nose, which is to me, it defeats the whole purpose of having the damn mask on. But yeah. what do I know? Uh, so, you know, there's that part. But but I think that we as humans adjust to what we become accustomed to. So if we are forced into a situation or and in some cases, not necessarily forced, but if we encounter that. So, I mean, there are places that do not take cash now. You can't go yeah. there and pay them in cash. That's a it's an evolving process, but what it really means for us is that at some point we will become a cashless society. There are smart grocery stores or, 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 or retail places, right? So you can go to Sam's Club. And I think I've talked about this on this situation. I love Sam's Club. I, I, I go there at least twice a month, right? And my husband says, we just spent $500 here. Why are we here again? But uh, I can go into Sam's and buy everything I want and rarely interact with a human being rarely you know you know when 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 they didn't have clorox wipes or lysol i would go in the store and say when are you going to get some more lysol but that would be the extent of my interacting with a human being that's coming it is really coming where again going back to that fast food restaurant or that uh, uh, grocery store thing you know you're going to walk in a store and you're not going to see a person so all those people you see in the grocery store they're stocking the shelves and you know taking out what's expired will be done by a machine. And it might be done at night or when you're not in the store, but it will be done. Yeah. And so then you'll be in the store and only people in the store are people like you shoppers, right? The manager will be somewhere looking at a surveillance system. You know, there may be a few of them in the store because if it's a big enough store, they might have to have send people to various areas, but they'd be sitting back behind a screen the store runs on its own yeah. without anything from others. And that's the whole concept behind smart cities is that you don't need to hire all these city officials because the system works in and of itself. Yeah. I think we have proved remarkably that we can work from home and get work done because I think a lot of companies were afraid that they were going to get shortchanged, right? So they'd be at home sleeping and watching TV and, you know, outside running or something and not working. But we work longer that we work home. You know, we used to, you know, used to know if you got to work at eight o'clock, somewhere around five, five, thirty, six o'clock, you were going home. Yeah. Not anymore because we don't have that same checks and balance, right? So you get up at six o'clock in the morning, you start working and yep. you might be working at six or seven o'clock at night because you, you don't have the clock that tells you to stop. You need to get in your car and go home. I need to get dinner. I need it because oh, you don't yeah. have that. So they're actually getting more. And I think that's the way technology is going to be. It's going to do more with less. And yeah. the question is, what does that mean for humanity? Yeah, ab- absolutely. And I think a lot of, especially talking about like working from home, like a lot of that is we sort of have to adjust the way we think about this. Cause I, I'm sort of the same way, like, and especially like if my family's away, like I'll just work, like I'll get up in the morning, I'll work. I'll be like, well, nobody's like, you know, telling me to do anything. I'll just keep working and keep working and keep working. And it's like, oh, don't do that, Drew. Like that's, a, that's, that's awful. But when I've got people here in the house with me, uh, you know, I, when it's around dinner time, I'm like, all right, you know, whatever I'm doing, it's got to stop. That's going to be the line. That's the end of the day done. But, you know, if they're not in, I don't really have that line and I don't really think about it. And it's something that I think like personally I need to do and probably everybody else should do as well. Is sort of like trying to find those clear lines because uh, I don't think we're getting raises for working from home. Like, uh, 
<laughs> we shouldn't be dedicating our life uh, to our employers. Yeah, absolutely. And so I want to, when I thought about this topic today, I want to tell you about, there's a company called Pavagen, it's spelled P-A-V-E-G-E-N. Mm-hmm. It's a phenomenal company. And what they have been doing uh, around the world, mostly in underdeveloped countries, is putting in these um, grids that generate electricity. So you walk on it. So literally it gets this energy by people walking on it. So if you can imagine about a highway, a street, whatever it is. So if people are walking or riding on it, if there's enough pressure on it to make it generate electricity, what that may mean, because now we don't have those exorbitant course costs to maintain our city. So your energy costs, your carbon footprint, all of that stuff goes down. So what Pavagen is doing to me is, it's an amazing thing because I mean, when you think about this and just, and I'm sure there are hundreds of other companies that do this as well, but what really they are doing is really changing the game in terms of how we use technology. There are a lot of young people, like when uh, president, when, when, when Barack Obama was the president, he did a lot of initiatives in science and you saw a lot of people innovating. So one young girl, I don't remember where she was, but she created a flashlight that generated energy by you holding the flashlight. And aren't you holding the flashlight all the time? So, you know, you you sort of the flashlight gets this energy by the warmth of your hand holding it. So, you know, all of these interesting things are out there that will help smart cities and help us save this planet. So you've got all of these technologies that are coming along. And what's really interesting about the the street part is if you take a company that a country that is rural, like Africa, parts of India, China, you know, where there's a lot of rural, large swaths of rural communities and people that live in those communities. And so clear running water, Mm -hmm. electricity, you know, all the things that it needs, it doesn't have because it doesn't have the infrastructure and the money to have it. So if you can put in things that will allow an area to generate its own power without without it costing a dime. That's yeah. pretty amazing. Yeah. You know, the wind turbines, you know, generating a generating energy, you know, all of these things. And, and I should say, when I say not costing a dime, not costing to the dime to the person that's receiving it, unless they find some way to monetize these things, but yeah. for some way to help improve that country without burdening them with actually building an infrastructure that requires them to, you know, really grow beyond what their economic, uh, outlook looks like you know so that's that's one of those things so I, I think that there's so much to think about this in this regard and um i think that we should probably show um maybe we should have someone come on and talk to us about smart cities and who yeah. works as a municipal government uh because i think it'll be really helpful for people to know how the decision is made why the decision is made what thing goes online first and why you know, yeah. um, you know, and when you think about all the hazards, you know, that are out there, you know, so um, I don't know if, if our listeners are old enough to remember Chernobyl, but, you know, yeah. you have this this atomic disaster, you know, nuclear disaster where, you know, there's you know, harm to human beings. You know, people are always talking about the next world war, world war, world war. You know, the question is, is does that really how do we control that so that no one on either side and let their emotions get the best? That's where machines and robots come in. But the problem is, is that uh, if you, and you could talk about this a little bit, but if you design and develop a robot to think and you tell the robot to always be looking for ways to improve, what does it determine? 
you know, so if it says the way to improve is to annihilate humans, to make the, the, the world better. Yeah. And it, it, it is allowed to learn on its own. It's allowed to grow on its own. Or you tell it that we want to limit like Enron. And um, I think this happened in Houston or somewhere recently. I don't remember where it is, where the city decides to limit the amount of power and resources people can have. Yeah. You have a brownout or no electricity. You know, when a robot is running that, how does that look on yeah. the other side? That's a... Uh, uh the the question of many movies I, like, I think about terminator i think about like irobot where it's like uh you know the goal is to do no harm and to do no harm means we're going to have to murder all of the people that might kill other people and you know the possibility of people to kill other people means like 100 of humans so we've got to like get rid of all the humans because they're going to kill each other if we don't uh which is super scary and again i think that's where sort of like the humanity comes in is uh like, yes, people are going to murder, murder people and it's awful, but, uh, you know, we, we have to have safeguards to prevent the robots from saying, hey, humanity's bad overall. Like, how do we do that? And uh, I think a lot of that comes into the actual programming of the AI, because when we think about artificial intelligence, like, it's not yet to the point it is in movies where things are actually thinking for themselves like at least right now artificial intelligence is people like just throwing data into these uh machines and then the machines you know determining what to do based on all of the input that they're given so we're still at least right now we're still in control of that uh and i think just keeping humanity you know keeping biases out that's a huge one right because it's a bunch of uh white dudes programming these things right now uh and so i would say you know keep bias out or be aware of bias and you know work around that and also uh keep in mind that we're all like humans and we're all gonna do bad things and that's uh part of being a human you know it's it's hard <laughs> we're, all, we're all flawed people and i think that's what sort of makes i mean you know flaws make art flaws make relationships flaws make a lot of stuff and that's uh while it might seem bad i don't think having flaws is completely bad absolutely so i want to give you an example so um a lot of the serial killers or people who who who, who go about killing more than their significant other or some member of their family mm -hmm. have grown up in some way that many have grown up in some way that may affect how they see a certain group. So if you grew up and you had a terrible mother, you might develop a, a hate for women. Mm -hmm. So I am a developer and I'm going to design a robot and my robot is going, I'm going to factor in all my biases because I don't know how you take out your biases. So for example, if you, 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 you were designed a system and you said, okay, I want it to check every Wednesday at 10 o'clock to see if there is any crime on this street. And so it goes out there and it looks for it and says, here, I've collected all this data. I've got all the data from the surveillance systems. I've got all the data from the utilities. I've got all this data. I could create a little snapshot of what this, this point in time looks like. And so when that report comes in and it says, oh, well, at 10 o'clock in zip code 27614, there was 10 robberies. There was um, an assault. You know, all this in this one zip code. So we're going to now start coding for that zip code. 
So we have found some, maybe it's an anomaly, maybe it's a, a reoccurring thing, but we found this thing. So our intelligence is going to say, okay, we're going to start monitoring the traffic in this neighborhood, which is a lot of what police uh, community policing is, right? So we found that this neighborhood has been a troubled neighborhood. So you've got that. So these smart cities with all of this technology are going to look for ways to eliminate these problems. So going back to the person who grew up hating women. So I have created this robot or this program because my mother was murdered by one of these people. And so I am now looking for people who have trends that could hate women. So, you know, they say one of the marks of a sociopath or psychopath is someone who kills animals. So yeah. for example, if there are police reports that have been called to this certain house that this man has hung a cat from a clothesline or whatever it is that they do, which is absolutely, I just can't go and say how anybody can hurt an animal, but nonetheless. Uh, but, and, and so it's going to start monitoring these things. So it's going to start looking for ways to eliminate these kinds of people. So if, um, if during pregnancy, the mother was a drug addict, if during pregnancy, the mother was uh, doing things that were bad, you know, there might be an assumption that she's going to have a bad seed. So that bad seed will be eliminated. So the mother and possibly the baby would be eliminated because there's a possibility this person. And that's the simplest little example of how bias could affect what we have. And we aren't always aware of our biases, right? So, you know, there is the, uh, the forever told story of a white woman in an elevator with a lot of black people. I mean, it's told a gazillion times. So is that a true story or not? I have no way to know. But, but let's just say that it is true. Why do you fear being in an elevator with a lot of black people? Because we have been told for years that these people are bad, they do crime, you know, all of these things like that. So I am a single black person, whether male or female, and I'm in the elevator with a bunch of black people. So what do I do? I stay away from those situations or I get off the elevator. Well, we bring that bias into it. So that, that, that knowledge you have, that, well, I don't ever want to be alone with these people because this could happen. So we bring that bias into our workplace. So we, it's so subtle that we don't even know it. So the reason why we don't have diverse workforces is because that exact same thing. I could be in the elevator with a whole bunch of black people and I'm the only white person in there. Or the reverse of that, I could be the only white black person in the elevator with a whole bunch of white people. Now, society has told us to be the reverse, the only black person in an elevator with a whole bunch of white people. That's safe. <laughs> It's a bias. It's a bias that we have taught ourselves that this is how this works. Yeah. This is what this means. And so in, at the end of the day, there must be some way to factor in when we're designing smart cities, when we're designing robots, when we're designing machine learning, like so the self-driving car, the grid that will turn power on, you know, so like if everybody on this part of town, if, if, if the, the data says that at 11 o'clock, everybody in this specific area as asleep because there's less electricity used, less gas, whatever the resource is that they can collect data and create some kind of simulation or some kind of, you know, a, a rule that says this is what happens. We can uh, eliminate the amount of electricity we have to give to this city at this this, this community or this 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 area at a certain time. So when we're designing these systems, we need to design these systems with the fact that it is always dependent on humanity. It is never left to the machine to figure it out on itself. The machine must have, before it can execute the instruction to institute World War III, a human must check it off before it can do that. Or if it decides that we are gonna kill babies because the mother or some, there's some, something we think will make this a, a bad person, we must have a human that checks that off.
Yes. So, and, 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 and my last thing I'll say about that is, so for example, credit. So back in the day when I grew up, credit was something a person gave you. So you went to a bank or somewhere and you sat in front of a loan officer or some financial person and you said, hey, I want a loan. I want to buy a house. And the person looks at your history and all that stuff and says, oh, well, you know, you haven't made all your payments to Joe on time, but we don't think you're too much of a credit risk. Well, that machine is going to say it's going to look for all those things. So how many how many uh, debts do you have? How mm-hmm. many have been late? So the machine is going to think almost always about the straight and narrow of the algorithm. It's never going to be gray, right? Yeah. So when you have those few late payments to Joe around Christmas time, you know, most of us know we spend all the money we have at Christmas or, mm-hmm. or whatever the holiday is. So we are going to allow that to happen. We're going to allow you to, you know, fall into disarray during the month of December or whenever that is. But then we know that normally you pay your bills on time. You know, you don't run up your credit card. You don't do all that. No, but just in December, you, you, you do. And I, I'm picking on Christmas. So please, um, any holiday or any event would fall in this category. But, you know, okay. So the, the, the computer is going to say, or the machine is going to say, what? You know, you, 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 in this, okay, you're not a good credit risk. Deny Whereas yeah. a human would say, well, I think you're, you're okay. We just we'll need to pay attention to this, but, but I think you're okay. So my, my point is, is that even with smart cities, we cannot, our technology as a whole, we cannot allow it solely to be done by the machine or the, 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 the resource that can do it. Thank you for listening to Eminent Technology. If you like the show, please review, subscribe, and recommend us to your friends and family. We'd love to hear feedback from you as well. You can email us at eminentteachnology at gmail.com. See y'all soon.